Iowa everywhere. Ready, Hawk fans? John Miller is going in-depth with analysis and breakdown. Answers, insights, and a look ahead to next week. It's Hawkeye Sunday with John Miller. Only on Iowa Everywhere. Instant Reaction Podcast following Iowa's 21 to nothing victory over Kentucky in the Music City Bowl. I'm John Miller. This is Iowa Everywhere. You know, I was thinking uh, towards the end of the game that the, my thought process right now or how my mood is or whatever is really similar or, or, or somewhat similar to how it was last year after Iowa lost to Kentucky in a bowl game. Obviously much happier. The fan in me is much happier that Iowa won this game. Certainly love the fact that Iowa put a goose egg up for Kentucky uh, in this one for the outgoing seniors or early entries to the draft who may go uh, getting a shutout, uh, scoring you know two touchdowns on two pick sixes. Um, Xavier Wampa getting one. Cooper DeGene getting his third of the season. I think I heard Gary Dolphin say, or maybe it was the TV announcers say that that's a single season Iowa record. Um, boy, We'll talk more about DeGene and individual things in a second. You know what? Let's start with that now. Then I'll come back to tell you why I'm kind of feeling a little similar-ish following this bowl game against Kentucky as I was a year ago relative to the overall um, overall thoughts on offense. But individually, let, let's start with DeGene. Um, we all know he's a great player. He's He just – he's like an – old school player um not not a great deal of flash or antics after he does something he just goes out plays hard he's better than you he doesn't rub it in your face he allows his play his exemplary play to speak for himself uh honestly this is like you know kirk ferentz's dream of a football player just a no-nonsense, very, very disciplined, very, uh, you know, good technique, and a smart football player, courageous football player. His his punt return ability is, is fantastic. His ability, obviously, covering punts as a gunner, fantastic. But his, his knack on defense is just, he's a natural. He's like Roy Hobbs. He just does it. He's done it at every level. And it's like, you know, Patrick Vint from uh, Go Iowa Awesome tweeted something out during the course of the game. You know, highlights from his high school. And Cooper DeGene is one of those guys that is doing at the college level, at the Big Ten level, what he did in some ways at the high school level. He's just a player. He's just an absolute player. The defense today, um, Kentucky only had 185 total yards of offense, 68 on the ground, um, just 10 first downs. They were 2 of 18 on third downs, which is better than Iowa's 0 of 11, by the way. Uh, 2 of 18 on third downs. They ran 69 plays. Average just 2.7 yards per play, just 2.1 yards per carry. Um... That's getting it done. That's getting it done. Four sacks for Iowa's defense. Again, we talked about two pick sixes. They scored twice as many points as the offense did. Over on Jack Campbell, just, man, I think I think he's the best linebacker that I've seen play at Iowa. And that I'm, 
I know there's a lot of great ones. Larry Station in the mid-1980s. Larry was a phenomenal player. And then all the great, amazing linebackers that have played for Iowa since then. There's been some really, really good ones. I think Jack Campbell's the best one, the best one of the bunch. Love that defense. A lot of names. You saw Xavier Wampa out there again, the pick six, but I think he played a pretty fundamentally sound game based upon what I could see. Obviously, I'm not watching all 22. Don't know what the don't know what the defensive alignments are called before. You know, don't I don't know what the defensive alignments are. You know, other than looking at what formations they may be in relative to scheme and coverage, but even then, you don't know for certain. He seemed like he didn't play out of place all that often looks like he'd uh, been there before you know and the secondary was fantastic Uh, the quarterback before deuce hogan came in uh, wade was 16 of 30 for 98 yards and two interceptions it's it's the 53 percent completion percentage but man that was uh it was a great job by the iowa defense Iowa offense. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to hold off on that. Let's go to special teams. Torrey Taylor, eight punts, 48.3 yard average, six down inside the 20. Three of his punts were 50 yards or longer. He had more punts down inside the five. Kentucky's punter had a lot of action. Ten punts, 409 yards, average 40.9. Over on the uh, drives, no no field goals were attempted uh, in this game. There was something I wanted to see on Iowa's drives, but it just escaped me. So let's go ahead and bail. Let's let's go to the uh, let's go to the offense. Whew. Um, Iowa gained 206 yards. They gained on that last drive. Uh, Iowa gained 24 yards. They gained 68 yards on their last two drives of the game. So 68 of their 206 yards came in the last two drives of the game when basically things were over. It was not a good offensive day. I will say in the first quarter, though, I was encouraged by formationally what I was seeing from Iowa. Um, you know, Labus ran uh, out of shotgun most of that first drive, had three or four shotgun plays in a row, then it was third and two. Iowa came in with the power formation uh, under center, and that play was stuffed. Punt. I like seeing the shotgun. I like seeing Labus be able to do things with his feet. There were at least two, if not three, called quarterback draws. And Iowa ran some new wrinkles out of their play-action bootleg game out of shotgun. Now, Iowa's, you know, they loved – I don't know the breakdown formationally, of what Iowa did, like they were in this formation for this percent of time. They ran a lot of 12 personnel, uh, one running back, two tight ends. But I, I just think that 11 or 12 personnel for Iowa, and thinking of next year, you know, with uh, all the tight end from Michigan transfer and Lachey, going to be a lot of opportunities to run 12 personnel. I don't, I'm not saying that they're Hawkinson and Fant. But they might be a light version of Hawkinson and Fant. And even a light version of Hawkinson and Fant is uh, good enough to run a lot of 12 personnel and to get some mismatches going and be a quarterback's best friend. It's going to lead to higher uh, completion percentage. It should lead to the perpetuation of more drives, fewer three and outs, and all those good things. But Iowa averaged 4.3 yards per play. They averaged just 2.8 yards per rush. 3.2 if you take away sacks. 
But that was, you know, and they were up 21 nothing at halftime. And I tweeted out at halftime, if I gave you an over-under for Iowa points scored in the second half and I put it at seven and a half, would you be brave enough to take the over? Well, there were no points scored by either team in the second half. I think the over-under total for this game was something like 31 before the game began. One of the lowest of all time, if not the lowest, of published lines era. And it covered easily. 21 points. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, Labus. He looked competent. Uh, Didn't look great. Looked hurried in a lot of instances. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that you expect from a player who's making his first ever start. Uh, Clearly, uh, he benefited by having three to four weeks of bowl prep. And I saw a number of people tweeting um, during the game, like, well, you know, he he looks a lot better than Padilla has looked. He should have been the number two, or maybe he should have played over Petrus at times. And I think that it's really difficult to say that because Labus had three to four weeks and Iowa was able to, you know, maybe tweak a little bit of what they showed on offense to fit his skill set, which I know novel idea. I I don't know that, you know, I I don't think we can make any definitive statements from what we saw from Joe Labus in this game, other than, Hey, looks competent. Looks like he could be competent and he can move the ball with his feet. It gives Iowa different wrinkles, different looks, et cetera, et cetera. So I would hold off. I mean, you do what you want to do, but if it's me, I'm certainly not going to crown him. And I tweeted last week, Maybe it was 10 days. I don't remember exactly when it was. It was the week before the bowl game. I said that my goal would be for Joe Labus to look really good and to have a phenomenal spring. And I would love it if he played well enough and grew enough in the spring and summer and we get to August and he's battling Cade McNamara for the starting job. I want Joe Labus to win the starting job. It has nothing to do with Cade McNamara. Uh, relative to who he is, I have nothing against him, but it does have something to do with Cade McNamara, the athlete, and all the tape and film that I've seen of him. He, uh, Joe Labus, is a much better runner than Cade McNamara is. I don't. I'm not saying McNamara's got cement shoes like Petrus, but he's certainly uh, not C.J. Beathard relative to his feet. So I, I would love for Joe Labus or insert whomever's name. At quarterback for Iowa to be someone that could run. I would not recruit another quarterback to Iowa that could not be a threat with his feet. Now, obviously, Cade McNamara has won a Big Ten championship as a starting quarterback at Michigan. And I'm not saying he's bad. And if I was betting, yeah, I'm betting he's going to be the starting quarterback next year. But I hope Labus makes it a competition. I really do. Because he can move his feet. Or if it's Carson May. I don't, you know, it just doesn't, I don't know Labus either. Never talked to him. I've never said, I've never spoken to any player on this, this current Iowa football team or next year's Iowa football team. Never spoken a word to any of them. Never spoken a word to the parents. So these aren't, you know, personal notions I'm giving. It's just more stylistically what I want to see out of an Iowa quarterback or what I don't want to see. And what I don't want to see is what we've seen the majority of the time over the last several decades. And that's a statue of quarterback. The game of football is just different now, and you have to have that element where your quarterback can be a threat with his feet. Again, at least to 
I think three called quarterback draws in this game. One of them was on second and 19. And I tweeted at that time that if Iowa had a quarterback that could do this with his feet on a regular basis, Iowa's second and long play, whether it's second and 10, you know, basically first down empty or first down penalized, the next play, you know, Iowa's going to probably run a lot of quarterback draw. Uh, It's nice to see. And yeah, you know, number five, shade to take his, his alignment under center. My gosh, he is crouched down almost farther than 45 degrees when you're talking about his lower legs to his quads. His angle almost looked beyond 45 degrees. It just was uh, it was just a weird, weird look. I was running game today, you know, really couldn't do much. But again, the style of defense that uh, the Kentucky was playing, you know, they knew that they had you know, take away the run from Iowa and force them to pass. It's not like that's a new playbook or a new strategy as that is uh, the strategy to play against when you play for Iowa. So, you know, as I started out saying that I feel somewhat similarly to how I felt after last year's bowl game. So I remember recording the podcast last year after the game. I even did a, um, you know, uh, Twitter spaces. Iowa finished 10 and four and I remember saying, gosh, I seem like I'm pretty, uh, pretty bougie and complaining about Iowa with 10 wins. And that really, you know, kind of sat wrong with me all offseason. Like, man, are you really going to sit there and complain? The team won 10 wins, but you just weren't entertained. But the reality is I'm not entertained. I mean, I was entertained in the first half seeing just, I mean, again, you're hearing me say, oh, wow, Iowa ran some different formational looks. That was kind of some fun wrinkles. I mean, it's like I'm, we're, we're folks that haven't had water in a day and we're walking through the desert and somebody gives you a, a swig of, you know, oily water and it tastes like nectar from the gods. So we're talking about relativity here. So, yeah, I was entertained. I was entertained on the pig sixes. That first half was really entertaining. Second half, everybody knew it was going to be in a lockbox. So, again, whatever. But it's like there's a part of me that wants to try to convince myself to be encouraged by maybe some formational... What's the word? Not trickery, because trickery wouldn't be it. Just, Just some diversification, some formational diversification. But at some point in time, I mean, if I'm lining up against Iowa early next year and they're, you know, running out of shotgun and doing zone read attempts, this, that, or the other, I'm still going to stack the box until you can beat me with your arm. And, and that's probably and ultimately why McNamara will win the job. Because for Iowa to run the ball and open up the running avenues, they're going to have to throw. Teams have just seen for too long that you can just tee off and overload the box on Iowa and they're going to be dead on arrival. Will Cade McNamara make a difference? Who will he be throwing to? We know Luke Lachey is back. Nico Ragaini is coming back. Um, all the tight end transfer from Michigan will be there. That's great. You know, hopefully, Devon, uh, hopefully Vines will be there. Um, I don't know about Brody Brett. I mean, again, I literally don't know. I've said all along I didn't think he should play football at all with the type of arm he has and the type of talent and value he has in that arm and what he can make playing professional baseball. So I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot 
to get figured out. And there'll be the second signing period. Is Iowa going to pick up another receiver or two in the transfer portal? Are they going to pick up an offensive lineman in the transfer portal? I really think that they need to. Defense should be really good. I know that they wanted to pick up a linebacker in the transfer portal. A lot of questions going into this next offseason. And who will the offensive coordinator be? And does it matter? Does it really matter who your offensive coordinator is when Kirk Ferentz is your head coach? And he's shown repeatedly over three coordinators in his tenure that they're going to run the offense and style that he wants to run. Sure, Greg Davis came in, did a few more horizontal aspects. And there's nothing wrong with throwing the ball horizontally. I mean, Georgia's the best program in football right now, and they do a lot of um, horizontal uh, passing plays. But they don't have the horses athletically that Georgia does, and Georgia takes shots downfield. So, But who will that coordinator be? Will it be Brian Ferentz again? If I had to wager, part of, I, I just don't know that it can happen again. I think Brian would be best served if he has the opportunity to go be an assistant in the NFL. I think that would be the best thing for him. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. A lot of time to discuss and talk and think about all these things as we get to an offseason. But the 2022 season thankfully comes to an end on the very last day of 2022 in the form of an Iowa 21 to nothing win. It's always better to win your bowl game than not. It just provide it just it just makes everything better over there in that football complex. You know, these guys are a couple, two weeks away from facing uh, the start of the hardest part of the year in some ways. The out-of-season weightlifting program between the start of classes uh, in the spring semester and the start of your spring practices. It's grueling. It's a gauntlet. Talk to many former players. They hate it. But that's where you know your team makes a lot of gains, literally and figuratively. So, hey, Good to talk with you, as always. Before we disappear, let's go real quick. I'm going to check out uh, just some tweets from Iowa media members that may be down there and see if there's any information items. Uh, John Steppe says that a quote from Mark Stoops and, and Chad Lysico also had this. Mark Stoops saying, Iowa won today by being Iowa. <clears throat> Not wrong. Not wrong. Um, Cover 3 podcast tweeted out. Iowa's touchdown breakdown this year, seven passing touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns, six defensive touchdowns. At Celebrity Hot Tub, many of you follow him, said this, I will concede this. It's very funny that while other programs are making big coaching changes and recruiting hyper-aggressively, they can still finish with fewer wins than Iowa does with Iowa running the wet fart offense all season. I guess at the end of the day, it's about winning. At B predict on Twitter says Iowa won with 11 first downs today. This season division one teams had the following one loss records while failing to earn more than 15 first downs. Every other team in the NCAA was 68 and 243. That is a 22% win percentage. It's basically two and 10 season. Iowa was seven and three. Roger Sherman, who is a professional internetsman, but he's verified, which, you know, that means a lot in today's world. But somebody I know retweeted him said, Iowa season began with a win in a game where they didn't score a touchdown and ended with a win in a game where they didn't convert a third down. This is all just to say you can't do this again. Iowa is now a 
almost like an adjective in college football. The Iowa way, the Iowa process, the Iowa style. It's not good. They won eight games. The last time they haven't won eight games in a season minimum was 2014. And again, this game's about results. Coaches are fired and hired based upon either winning, losing, or the prospects of winning more than they lose or winning more than the last guy that was fired. And in that light, Iowa is successful. It may be gouge your eyes out boring at times, but, you know, but all too often it feels more like lost opportunities than anything else because this year's Iowa defense might have been the best in school history. Statistically, um, I think it might have been. It's, it's, it's one of the three best ever. I think that's safe to say. And you win eight games because your offense was relative to the modern era of offense, say the last 50 years or certainly the last 40. This was arguably one of the three worst offenses in Division One, And I think relative to the times, hmm, not good, not good. But hey, it's a win. Enjoy it. I'm not sitting here telling you not to enjoy it. I'm not sitting here telling you what to do anything. And if you don't like some of the things I said, that's fine. That's why we do this. We don't, I don't do this with the expectation everybody's going to like everything I have to say. Maybe I'm, once again, for the second bull podcast in a row, being whiny, expecting too much. I don't know. I don't know. But... We will talk more about this in the offseason. Take care. Iowa everywhere.